Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. So we are into our Jesus in the Bedroom series, and we've talked about four foundational realities of this message. Number one, that sex is not a basic human need. Please don't throw tomatoes at me, all right? (laughs) Number two, those who are single are equally affirmed. I saw a quote on Twitter. I thought this is a great, a great quote. We worship a virgin. Obviously, there is a way to have a great life without having a sex life if that is what it takes to not live out your deepest, darkest, most debased desires. Number three, marriage was God's idea, purposed around and inseparately connected to his image and has identified it by self-giving love. Marriage is a covenant. Sex is God's idea for pleasure and procreation within a mutual, whole, self-giving, consensual, lifelong covenant. Do I hear amen? Sex is a covenant renewal celebration. So over these last four weeks in this series, we've had such topics as design and service and value. And last week, Pastor Mike talked on purity. And today, I'm going to be talking about forgiveness. Who's excited? All right. All right, sometimes when people mention forgiveness, they're like, oh, I wonder if I should go get a coffee. I'm excited for this morning. I think God's going to do some good stuff. I've been praying about it. I believe that God's got a, a message that is for us, and um, we pray, Lord, that, that we'd grow um, from this. Who likes memes? Who likes memes? Do I even have to ask? Some of you might not even know what memes are. Just enjoy these memes, all right? So... Does your family say a prayer before you eat your food? Nope. We are vegan. We don't need forgiveness for eating our food. (laughs) Isn't it great that kids would talk like that? Yeah, that's great. Next one. I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. Great. Not only do I have to forgive my brother, now I have to do math. (laughs) Because it's easier than math, math is hard, right? I asked God for a bike, but I know God doesn't work that way. So I stole a bike and asked for forgiveness. (laughs) I probably shouldn't tell you this, but my bike's outside. If it goes missing, I know it's one of you guys, all right? There's a Sunday school teacher. How many of you ever taught Sunday school before? Kids ministry. By the way, my name is Trevor. I'm I'm the family pastor here. I I, uh, get to hang out with the kids and the teens uh, for the next month and a half or so. And um, yeah, the Sunday school teacher had concluded her lesson and wanted to make sure she had made her point. She said, can anyone tell me what you must do before you obtain forgiveness of sin? And there was a short pause. And then from the back of the room, a small boy spoke up and yelled out, Sin. How many art enthusiasts do we have here? Art enthusiasts. I'm not really an art enthusiast, but we've got some. How many of you, when seeing this beautiful picture of art, 
like to back up and take a full look at the art. How many of you are like that? The colors, the shade, the shapes, the contrast, everything about the picture. Or if you're anything like me, you like to focus on the characters or the objects, right? And, and you kind of take this closer look. In this scripture that we're about to dissect and study this morning, I, I just can't stop thinking about it this week. And, and last week, I was, I, was, I, was, I was preparing my heart for it. It's this beautiful, beautiful story that's in, uh, in the Bible. And if you could turn to Luke chapter 7. And I want to challenge you, if you're anything like me, I want you to try to focus around the whole the whole scene, kind of envision what it would have been like, all right, now that I've got your attention, all right? So there's three main characters. There's Jesus. Most of you would know who Jesus is and, and about him. And second, there's Simon, who is a Pharisee, all right? He was the host, and, and he wasn't completely uh, opposed to Jesus, at least not to start. And here is a man who had probably heard rumors about Jesus, that he was a prophet, and he's interested to see who Jesus was and, and things about him. Probably interested, hey, like come over to my house and, and, and maybe you can kind of, you know, see what that person is like. And then the third character is this unnamed woman, this, un, uh, this, this guest that wasn't invited to this to this dinner. And this beautiful story sweeps back and forth between Jesus, Simon, and this unnamed woman. And Luke here is showing us the impact of what Jesus has on any human situation. Do you catch that? The impact that Jesus has on any human situation. Social convention here is thrown out the window. Here, forgiveness and love is shown in such a revolutionary way. Pastor Mike's talked throughout this series about how, how women and boys were treated. So let's turn to 736, and we're going to read uh, to 39, all right? Hopefully you brought your Bibles. It's not, uh, the scripture won't be on the screen, all right? So you could turn your, uh, your, uh, your phone on as well, but just don't text each other, Okay. I've got secret cameras watching, okay? So verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. I love that verse. He reclined at the table. Come on now. Recliners, who's got a recliner? If you need a recliner, talk to Jim at Lazy Boy, all right? A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping. Now just, just imagine what's going on here. She began to wipe or wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. Kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. 
The attention was on the woman towards Jesus. The woman took advantage of some social customs that permitted beggars and extra visitors or passerbys to attend banquets and dinners. You know, I'd be there for the food, I, I, I've, I've got to tell you. You know, it, it sure beats eating a cake from a garbage can, as Pastor Mike talked about last week. But she specifically came to Jesus. She brought him a jar of perfume. And here's this uninvited guest who enters a house where she learns that Jesus is present. She kneels behind Jesus at his feet. And in Jesus' day, it was customary to recline while eating, all right? And dinner guests would often lie on the couches with their heads near the table, with their feet behind them. So as she's preparing to pour the perfume on Jesus' feet, which is a humble act, what happens? Tears start, a flow of tears proceeded. She wipes his feet lovingly with her hair. Isn't that such a beautiful picture? Here she was, she's crying. She has tears. She's wiping her hair, wiping the tears with her hair and kisses his feet before putting on the perfume. She intended to anoint Jesus. This was an exception, an expression of grateful love. When she finds him, she's overcome. She knew something was special about Jesus. But to make things worse, she lets down her hair. She lets down her hair, and which is a major faux pas back then. What would Jesus do? Would he lose it on her? Would he tell her to get off and, and don't, don't touch his feet? Because no decent woman back then would do that and, and, and starts to wipe Jesus' feet, kissing them the whole time. And now Luke directs his attention to the Pharisee. And Simon here was coming up with three conclusions, and Jesus knew what he was thinking. He's thinking a prophet should know what kind of woman was washing his feet. Number two, if he knew, he would not let her do it. And number three, since he does let her do it, he is no prophet and should, do, should not be acknowledged as a prophet, not realizing the full extent of who Jesus really was. Jesus lets her worship him and doesn't shun her. Jesus here shows us that he has a unique insight into the human heart. He knows what the woman's heart is full of. He knows what she is thinking. He knows of her pains. He knows of her difficulties. He knows of her upbringing. He knows of her hurts. He knows of her sin. And then we move to Simon. He knows what he's thinking. The hypocrisy, the pride, the, the hardened heart. Church, he knows our hearts. He knows what we're thinking. He knows the things that we go through. He knows our hurts, our pains. He knows our unforgiveness. He knows the rejection that we face, the loneliness, our aspirations, our dreams. He knows about our relationship with our spouse, our relationships with people around us in our neighborhood or schools. 
Let's read on from verse 40 to 46. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me, teacher, he said. What do you think's going on? Simon's like, oh, yeah, I want this attention, right? I want this attention. What, what, what's going to come up here? Tell me, teacher, he said. And, he, and Jesus asked this question. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And neither had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus says this, this, this really kind of funny line here. He said, you have judged correctly. Jesus said, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my head. The tables have turned. The woman here becomes the focal point of the narrative. Simon the Pharisee had committed some major faux pas in in a hospitality, in neglecting to wash Jesus' feet, and, and Jesus lets him hear about it, right? This was a courtesy because sandaled feet got pretty dirty, right? Also, their head was supposed to be anointed with oil, and a kiss was offered at, at a greeting, as a greeting. There's some interesting dynamics here. Why do you think Simon wasn't being a good host? Could it be because he thought he was too good for Jesus? Was he trying to put Jesus down? Here, this sinful woman with big tears, sinful woman with big tears, expensive perfume, and, and is kissing Jesus' feet, and she's the one to be judged. But the main point is reached swiftly. Jesus declares that her sins were forgiven. Jesus affirms this. And although God's grace through faith is what saves us, and not an act of love or, or generosity, but this woman's act demonstrated her true faith in Jesus, that Jesus was special to her, and that her sins were forgiven. Verse 47, to finish off the scripture. Therefore I tell you, her many sins, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here there is an overflowing love that is the natural response to the forgiveness shown to the woman. She was forgiven much. She loved Jesus much. Only those who realize the depth of their sin can appreciate the complete forgiveness 
that is shown to us. Many of us remember the time and place where we accepted Jesus into our life. Many of us. I could still remember times where I, I asked Jesus to forgive my sins because of something I've done or, or how I've treated somebody. We all remember the time when our guilt and shame are taken from us. But do we actually appreciate God's mercy? Do we actually appreciate the forgiveness that God gives us? Are we grateful for his forgiveness? The woman sure was. How does this look in the way we forgive others? It's a hard question, isn't it? Forgiveness is easy, right? It's challenging at times. I've dealt with it. Sometimes it's a daily, it's a daily lesson that I choose to forgive. Verse 49, 50, it talks about how the Pharisees only believed that God could forgive sins. And they wondered why this man, Jesus, was forgiving uh, sins of this woman. They didn't understand who Jesus really was. They didn't understand that Jesus was God. And a few takeaways about forgiveness from this story is that genuine repentance knows no limits. The woman was so sincere in her repentance from living a lifelong of, of, of mistakes She's emphatic about the grace that was given to her. She's so passionate about about just showing love to Jesus. She was willing to make a scene. She was willing to have her hair down. She was willing to make a scene because things in her life needed attention. Church, what are things that need your attention today? This woman felt freedom. What are things that we need freedom from today, from Jesus? What do we need freedom from today? Have your words or your actions hurt someone someone that's special to you? Maybe someone's hurt you and you, need, need, you just need to talk about it. Second thing we learn is to own up to your own mistakes. Simon had issues with others even though he had so many shortcomings. Simon didn't apologize to Jesus, did he, for being a terrible host? And by the way, if you ever come to my house, please don't ever expect a foot washing, okay? Okay? Or oil on your head, although, you know what, you're welcome to lie down on my couch and eat, you know, if we're watching sports and stuff like that, that's, that's totally fine. But how many times in my life have I looked at someone else and said, I can't believe, or just thought, you know, I can't believe they would do something like that? Or why'd they say that? Where maybe at times I've needed to look in the mirror and say, man, I've screwed up. Why do I keep on noticing things about other people's attitude where maybe my heart isn't right? 
And if that's not you, maybe it's just me, right? Third, we all have much to be forgiven. Jesus said, therefore I tell you her many sins have been forgiven for she loved much. Obviously, Jesus doesn't mean that we should go out and commit a bunch of sins. He's hinting to Simon that we all have much to be forgiven and Simon just doesn't get it. He made the mistake worse because he graded himself on the curve. How many times in life have we said, oh man, okay, I'm, I've done some stupid stuff, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Who's, who's ever been there? Okay, only three of you who are being honest. All right. He compares himself to others and came to this conclusion that this woman at the feet of Jesus was a sinner. But he wasn't. Instead of Simon thinking about that and being truly perceptive, he should have been saying, why is this prophet in my house? I am not worthy of Jesus' presence. Fourth, forgiveness here is a two-way street. The woman asked for forgiveness and Jesus forgave. And there's this great reminder for those in relationships of any sort. So why is forgiveness so important in not only a marriage relationship, but any relationship? Because unforgiveness is an untreated injury of the soul. See, what happens is, if we're physically sick, where do we go? We go to the doc. We go to the doctors, right? Hopefully, if you're not too stubborn, right? We should want to treat our injuries. But where do we go when our soul, when our soul is hurt? When the wounds in our heart are left untreated, it often produces pain in other areas in our life. Have you noticed that? When we, when we feel hurt, we, it, 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 it causes us to not be the same at our home, at our work, at our you know, I, I struggled with this a few years back, and not towards my wife. I don't want you to think I had troubles with this with my wife. We're definitely not perfect. But I, I struggled with unforgiveness. And, it, and it, what, what, what started to happen, it, it became my whole thought. The things around me were affected. Uh, my, even, even the calling that God had placed on my heart at the age of 13 I started to question, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right job? The way I treated my kids wasn't, like, because things in my life weren't proper. My soul was hurting. See, if it happens with your spouse, and we have un- undealt with unforgiveness, we become highly sensitive from the words of our spouse. That the slightest offense from our, our spouse, even if he or she didn't mean it, evokes a harsh reaction. We may lash out. We may uh, accuse or blame or do something that we later regret. 
all the while our spouse could be caught off guard with our, by our reactions. But to overcome unforgiveness, we need to treat our wounds and let them heal. And sometimes not even just talking about it or praying about it is enough. Sometimes we need professional counseling. Sometimes we need a professional to help us get to where we want to be. And that is something that, that I ended up doing in that case, where I received that help. See, to overcome unforgiveness, we need to treat our wounds. From my circumstances a year back, it was for me. I had to be open and talk to a professional. Biblical forgiveness means you need to release your spouse from a debt owed to you. Forgiveness is not contingent on how you feel about your spouse. It is a choice to no longer blame your spouse for an offense. What does 1 Corinthians 13.5 say? It says, it keep, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love that verse. Biblical love doesn't justify wrong, nor does it ignore wrong, excuse it, or pretend it doesn't exist. All those types of responses to wrongdoing would lead to enablement. Rather, biblical love acknowledges and addresses the wrong and then forgives it and releases it. Roots of bitterness and unforgiveness root deep. We need to deal with the root as soon as possible. To experience a healthy relationship, thriving relationship with your spouse, you can't keep replaying whatever he or she did to you or said to you. Release that offense and replace it with love. So what are some practical ways that we can improve our marriage relationships? There's four. We need to say or do something every day that expresses value to our spouse. This might be a note, an unexpected call, maybe text during the day, maybe a hug when you see them. And what is your spouse's love language? Pastor Laura brought this up a while back. You know, mine uh, is, is uh, quality time together and like every other guy, uh, physical touch, right? Kim's is acts of service and time together. See, married couples are, are, do a really good job at, at uh, you know, focusing on the big events, right? The birthdays, the, the anniversaries, the Valentine's Day. But what about during all those times? Small, consistent ways of expressing that they value each other. Second, we could pray for and pray with each other. And it's a time that you could pray with your spouse and, and that God will bless you guys as a union together and even for those parents, right? If you're parenting kids, because parenting's so easy, right? Pray for each other that you guys can parent together in the best possible way. 
as God guides you to, to parent your kids. Number three, date regularly. Walks, dinner. I thought I made this up, but I don't think I did. Those who, those who uh, walk together, talk together. Have you guys ever heard that? Or did I actually make that up? That'd be cool. I should, um, I should uh, TM that, right? I love going for walks with my wife. Um, dinner, go get Dairy Queen after kids go to bed. That was the, that was the best reaction when my kids would wake up and they'd see the garbage can was full of like Dairy Queen. And uh, sorry, Noah, not sorry. And I said this before, but buy a hot tub, you know, like that was, that, I know that, that sounds really luxurious and all that stuff. But I remember, um, I remember like uh, Kim and I, of course, we didn't, at the time, we didn't have uh, enough money to, to, to purchase, you know, one of those uh, uh, elaborate um, hot tubs. But uh, we bought inflatable for like 500 bucks and we, we invested in it was actually an investment in our marriage because we noticed that a lot of times when we were at home uh, we would we would be we'd be in front of the TV uh, just watching TV or or you know that that things things were busy around our house you know we have we had kids like we have kids as well and but but when we were in the hot tub together we were thinking about each other we were we were talking to each other and with no uh, phones with us because we'd get electrocuted and that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> Number four, set a weekly agreed upon time. And this is something I, I, I'd like to work on myself. And set a weekly agreed upon time when you allow your spouse who's maybe withholding some unresolved anger to vent. And just giving opportunities to just, just, just to give my wife uh, just share some frustrations that she had about me, although there'd be very little, right? <laughs> or the complete opposite, am I right, Kim? Couples really give each other freedom to voice frustration, as long as it's done like somewhat in love, right? Right? Do it in, do it in love. But forgiveness is crucial for any marriage to thrive. But if that forgiveness is conditional, it's not God's heart. We need to make clear, we need to make clear here, okay, that if there are any types of abuse going on, that, that is not okay. That I, I want to encourage you that if that is happening, that you would talk to somebody about that. I know sometimes like when we talk forgiveness, it, it comes with a lot of, it can come with a lot of strings, to, strings attached. And I know forgiveness is, is challenging. There are things that if you're not safe, that's, that's not good at all. Talk to someone. But I just want you to know that Jesus died for our sins and asked his Father to forgive us while doing so himself. Forgiveness is the greatest thing that you could do for your spouse. It is the greatest gift that you could give to your spouse but it's also the greatest gift that you could give to yourself. And I'm going to close this morning. 
four tips on forgiving your spouse in Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage. Number one, say you're sorry. Say you forgive. Number two, make your marriage a place where you are both frequently saying, I'm sorry. Third, the most powerful people are the ones who repent the most quickly and the most frequently and the most deeply. And four, the act of repenting keeps you accountable to one another, vulnerable, open, and on the flip side, you both also must constantly forgive and do so completely. Lord Jesus, our forgiveness can be such a, a tough topic. Lord, we pray. Lord, thank you for the, the, the words that you've given me this morning. Lord, we pray for our marriages, Lord, that they would be strengthened. We thank you for our wives. We thank you for the husbands represented here. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would bring closeness, Lord, that you would bring unity within these marriages. Lord, you know the, the arrows and the things that, that the enemy wants to put on marriages. Satan doesn't want marriages to, to, to last. But Lord, we want marriages not to only survive, but thrive. Lord Jesus, you know the areas as individuals we need to work on. You know the things in our heart that needs work. You know the things that need attention in our life. Lord, that you would help us to grow in those. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you for our church family, Lord. And Pastor Mike's going to close. A message like this one today speaks to all of us and in various ways. And before we conclude today, I want us just to take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to each of our hearts. If you're comfortable in this time, I know it might be a bit different for some of us, but would you just hold out your hands sort of in a receptive posture? God's Spirit is present with us, and Scripture tells us not only is He powerful, but He's known or named as Comforter and counselor. So would you just take 30 seconds together and I'm gonna pray, welcome Holy Spirit. And then we're just gonna to listen to how he would speak to each of our hearts in response to his work here today. So now, Holy Spirit, we welcome today. And together, Holy Spirit, we declare our dependence upon you. Forgiveness is a virtue that we all must embrace at times so difficultly. But you love our souls. You care for freedom in our lives. You care for healing in our emotional worlds and in our relationships. For those today who in a relationship or because of an emotional wound need to move towards forgiveness, we're praying for your strength. It's an impossibility in our own strength. We need the loving power of Jesus to help us be forgivers. 
Together today also we declare our dependence on you, Holy Spirit. We're going back into your world, Father, on your mission, and we cannot do this in our own strength. We want to love neighbor well. Holy Spirit, we need you. Father, now I pray for your blessing on each person, on each soul, and on every marriage represented in this room and online today. Would you strengthen each person? May we go in your joy, we pray, in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Wonderful to be together with you in song and celebration and in silence. The Spirit is with you as you go today. Enjoy one another's company as you head out. There's no rush, and there is sun. Praise God. Have a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.